facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. So glad to be with you. It's The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. We're going to have a great time today. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I can't wait to share this with you. Triple eight. 914-9149 is the number to call, 888-914-9149. It's a toll-free line to talk to me right here on The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. You can also email the program, a great place to send questions and comments and show ideas. Love to hear from you, kale, C-A-L-E, C-A-L-E at relevantradio.com. That's the address, kale at relevantradio.com. And of course, follow me on Twitter, at Kale Clark. C-A-L-E, Clark with an E, and the show account is at Kale Clark Show. Here's a question for you. Do you think that every Christmas movie, and you're probably getting into the Christmas movie-watching spirit, do you think that every Christmas movie really kind of points to Jesus? It's an interesting question. I read an article that was written by these two guys, and uh, to get, th- their names are, by the way, Matt Lillicrap. I, I, that's, that's his name. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. <laughs> But that's how it's spelled, Matt Lillicrap and Peter Dre. And together they wrote a book that was uh, called Reality and Other Stories. Reality and Other Stories, Exploring the Life We Long For Through the Tales We Tell. Hmm, interesting. So they, uh, I, I don't know whether this, this, this stuff is in their book or not, but they, they wrote an article about... Christmas movies, do they have something to do with Jesus? It's really interesting. This piece by Matt Lillicrap. Uh, it's a fun name to say, if, even if I'm not saying it right. Um, Lillicrap. Uh, That's probably how he would want it to be said. But And Peter Dre. Anyways, um, here's what they say. They, they, they wrote this article in the, in this, on this website called Premier Christianity. And, and they said, really, the only way that we can make sense of our lives at Christmas time or at any other time of the year is to tell stories. And intriguingly, as we tell these stories, we employ a very limited number of story shapes. And by that, they mean plots. And they they mention this guy named Christopher Booker. And this guy, Christopher Booker, he spent almost 40 years studying stories from all around the world, throughout human history. And he started noticing, like, they have an awful lot of similarities. And so he basically distilled them all into seven types of stories. He basically says that all stories that people tell all throughout human history draw from seven basic plot lines. Now, I mean, there's lots of creativity in these stories. On There may be a lot of details that are different, a lot of fun and fantastical stuff, but they're all basically painting from the same palette of seven story shapes. In 2004, this guy Christopher Booker wrote a book, Booker wrote a book, called The Seven Basic Plots, which was published by Bloomsbury Academic. And people have kind of taken him to task. Some people say, no, 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 there's only three plot lines in all stories. And some say, no, 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 there's actually about 30 different stories, you know, throughout human history. But however you, you can argue with him until the cows come home, but, but the bottom line is that Humans tell a certain limited number of stories throughout history, and they're all basically, they all fall into these categories. Okay, so let's let's assume that Booker is right, that Christopher Booker is right, and that there are only seven stories that people tell all throughout the world. So here are the seven types of stories, or the seven types of plot lines. Now, you can think about this in, in books that you've read, 
or in movies that you've seen. And, and let's face it, not a lot of people read these days. A lot of people still read, of course, but for a lot of folks, movies are what books used to be, the currency of the culture, as it were. So here are the seven types of stories, according to Christopher Booker in his book, The Seven Basic Plots. Number one, overcoming the monster, overcoming the monster. So think about Jaws, right? Jim, I should have got you to play the movie music for Jaws, too. I, I asked Jim to, to grab a bunch of clips, so he had his hands full. So uh, I'll just do it manually. Da-na, da-na, da-na. Okay, all right, I won't do that. But the movie Jaws, of course, this, this shark that's terrorizing this community. James Bond. James Bond movies are kind of about this, too, this theme of overcoming the monster. Now, what, what's, what's this all about? A powerful evil threatening the world and wreaking havoc. But it's eventually overcome by a weaker, good opponent, the hero of the story, if you will, often in very unlikely circumstances. Stories that reflect this illustrate our desire that malevolent forces, evil forces that are arrayed against us might actually be conquered. So it's, it's funny that, uh, that they mentioned Jaws and James Bond because, of course, a, a very famous James Bond villain was Jaws. He, was, he wasn't the main villain, but he was kind of a henchman. He appeared in a couple of the Roger Moore films in the 1970s, like Moonraker, Spy Who Loved Me. Anyways, so how does this relate to Jesus? Well, this seven. This is number one, this, this idea of overcoming the monster, the seven types of stories in the world. Well, the scriptures pick up on this because obviously the story of Christ, which is a true story, by the way, he overcomes evil. He overcomes all malevolent forces. He gives the whole universe a fresh start. And it's kind of like when you when these heroes overcome the monster, they're often weaker. Now, Jesus is not weaker, but he he does not show the full strength of his power when he's on the cross. He doesn't, as he said, I could, I could call down 12 legions of angels from my father to defend me, set me free, kick your butts, but he doesn't do that. He wins through not a display of muscle, but through the weakness and the humiliation of his own death. That's how he gets the victory. So that's that's plot line number one overcoming the monster. Plot line number two, there's only seven kinds of stories. What do they all have to do with the story of our lives, the story of our Lord? Number two is rags to riches. Think about Cinderella. Think about the movie Slumdog Millionaire, if you've ever seen that. Great flick. A destitute person, an overlooked person, receives a sudden opportunity to show who they really are, and thereby securing honor. Rags to riches stories reflect our deep wish to be seen, to be welcomed, to be cherished. And that's, that's what people want. They want to be seen. They want to be cherished. They matter. They really do matter. And think about, I don't know, we all have our favorite Christmas hymns. One of my favorites is, O Holy Night. And, and there's a great line in that hymn, he appeared and the soul felt its worth. The soul felt its worth. Wow, that just you know, kind of brings tears to the eyes. So Jesus does satisfy this desire by dealing with what's truly shameful in our lives, our sins, but yet he still loves us, he honors us, uh, he's created us uh, to spend everlasting glory with him. Talk about rags to riches, my goodness, the everlasting riches with Jesus. So that's number two, rags to riches. So there's overcoming the monster, rags to riches. Number three is the quest, the quest. And we all love adventure stories. The Lord of the Rings, the books, the movies, uh, they're, they're a great example of the quest genre or that type of story. Something jolts a character out of their established rhythms. A sense of destiny knocks on the door. 
or they receive a golden opportunity for glory. And the new mission tests them to the absolute limit. You're listening to The K.O. Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149. So stories about the quest, how do they relate to Jesus? Well, these quest stories tell us that in order to truly flourish as human beings, we've got to move forward. The true life is not found in living in pampered comforts, but in being challenged and stretched. That's what Pope Benedict XVI said. He, he, he once said something, and I'm not quoting him directly, but he once said something to the effect of, Jesus has called us to greatness, not to a comfortable existence. So Jesus' invitation to follow him certainly stretches us, that's for sure. Discipleship stretches us, and he wants us to become saints, the best version of ourselves. That's not going to be an easy journey, but he will help us to get there. And that's the path that we're called to. So that's the quest. Number four, the fourth kind of story, there's only seven kinds of stories, is voyage and return. Voyage and return. Think about Alice in Wonderland. Think about Dorothy's journey in The Wizard of Oz. Or what about Marty McFly in Back to the Future? The hero gets transported to another place. And at first, it feels freeing. They're like, wow, you know, I, I'm not in Kansas anymore. I, I'm, I'm free of all kinds of expectations. I can kind of do a new thing. But then as soon as they're in this new, new place, this new context, this new world for a little while, they find that there's there's a darker edge to it. And eventually they get back home. And when they get back home, they find out that they appreciate their home in new and different ways, in a way that they never did before. So what does this have to do with Jesus? Well, these voyage and return stories reflect our innate desire for a place and a people to whom we belong. This is the idea of home. They also highlight our tendency to resent the everyday graces. Everybody wants to, especially when you're growing up, you want to break out of the hometown. You want to go to the big city. You want to go somewhere else. You want to travel the world. And you don't, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but but sometimes we resent the everyday graces. We do have to find God in the everyday, ordinary things of life. So Jesus gives us the capacity to appreciate these things, what we take for granted and he also offers us a home, a family in which we belong. And that, of course, is the family of the church. So that's number four, voyage and return. What about number five? Okay, so these are the seven types of stories that are in the world, according to uh, Christopher Booker. He says, really, at the end of the day, there's only seven stories in the world. And, and there's a reason for this. There's a reason for this. So number five is tragedy. Tragedy. I'm, I'm tempted to sing the Bee Gees song. Tragedy! Okay, I'm not going to do that, but um, oh, I just kind of hurt myself with that falsetto there. But think about Macbeth, okay? The great tragedy, the Shakespearean tragedy of Macbeth. Think about the movie Titanic. I was in that movie. I was in that movie. I was uh, I was an extra in that movie. And uh, speaking of tragedies, one of the greatest tragedies of all time is that all my scenes were left on the cutting room floor. So you say, how, how can you prove it? Well, I still have the pay stub from when I was in Titanic, directed by James Cameron. So how about that? But uh, never saw the light of day. Never saw. Anyways, it's in the. If you order the DVD with the, uh, with the, uh, with all the extras, I'm, I'm in there. There's a documentary about me. No, I'm just kidding. But tra- tragedies uh, pose questions to our minds. What if our guiding ambition, the thing that we want the most, does not lead to life, but instead leads to death? Hmm. What what happens then? 
Good human desires can be misdirected, miscalibrated to devastating effect. And tragic characters in these stories, they only recognize that when it's too late. So how does this relate to Jesus? Well, (laughs) Jesus is warning us time and time and time again in the scriptures that the greatest tragedy that could ever possibly befall us is not becoming a saint. That's what St. Maria said. The greatest tragedy in life is not becoming a saint, not getting to heaven. This is what we were made for, what we were created for. And so if we don't, then our whole life ultimately becomes a tragedy. So if we turn to him, it's not anymore. It's a different story. So the idea of tragedy, that's what we don't want our life to become in the end. And the only tragedy at the, at the end of the day is not making it to our final destination. Number six, the seven types of stories uh, that we tell is comedy, is comedy. And, and you could say that this show, this this Kale Clark show is really nothing more than a tragic comedy, but I don't know. But anyways, in straight up comedies, like for example, Pride and Prejudice, Jane Austen, there's, you can kind of see when, you, when, you're, when you're looking at the story, you know, this may be my wife's favorite book of all time, Pride and Prejudice. You can see the happily ever after, really kind of in the beginning, but it seems like it's going to be derailed. It's, it's out of reach. The characters misunderstand each other, their motives. There's all these circumstances that come up that seem to get in the way of this happy ending. But then the light breaks in. Suddenly things take shape and everything kind of works out. And it's like that in our lives as well because sometimes things seem hopeless. And there is this great happily ever after ending, which Jesus' resurrection is the down payment on. This is, again, the, the eternal life with him in the Trinity, in heaven, with all the angels and the saints. And then the last one, the last kind of story that we tell, which is rooted in reality, it's only seven kinds of stories at the end of the day, is rebirth. Rebirth. So here's an example of rebirth. Beauty and the Beast, right? That's a classic tale. I think on December the 15th, ABC is is airing a one of those live-action Disney, Disney flicks. Uh, it's going to be Beauty and the Beast. The Beast is Josh Groban. And uh, beauty is her, H-E-R, which stands for having everything revealed. Her real name's Gabby Wilson. She's a really talented musician. She's going to be playing. Kind of, it's kind of going to be an interesting take. I, I, I'm really interested to see this. Anyways, Groundhog Day. That's another rebirth movie, right? <laughs> it keeps having the same day again and again and again and again and again. So rebirth stories are, are constantly in, in literature, in the movies. And really what this is, is a tragedy interrupted. A tragedy interrupted. A character that seems hopeless, seems helpless, is transformed. And really what rebirth stories tell us, what we need to hear, is that nobody's a write-off. As long as we still have a breath in our body, it's not over. It's not over till the fat lady sings, as Yogi Berra says. Once a person is made new, is really reborn, transformed, not only does life change for that person, it changes for every, everybody all around them. Think about Groundhog Day, right? So rebirth stories are all throughout the scriptures. Think about St. Paul. Maybe that's the classic rebirth story. And in Jesus, we can be reborn. We are born again of water and the Spirit through our baptism. And as we tap into that throughout our lives, who we really are, um, this is one of the, one of the secrets of life. So, so these are the seven kinds of stories, according to Christopher Booker. And, and, and really this is, this is how Christ fits into all of them. And it makes sense to me. Overcoming the monster, number one, number two, rags to riches, number three, the quest, number four, voyage and return, number five, tragedy, 
Tragedy! Uh, number six, comedy. Number seven, rebirth. That's that. Those are the seven stories. So well, how does this relate to Christmas and the story of Christmas? What about all the Christmas movies? Are they really kind of about these plot lines? Is every Christmas movie, whether it's Home Alone or... Yeah, is it ultimately really about Jesus? Well, I'm going to ask you this after the break. We're going to take a quick break. And also, I want you to call in. I want you to tell me what your favorite Christmas movie is and why. 888-914-9149. We will be right back after this short break. It's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. 888-914-9149. <laughs> Who are you? I told you, George, I'm your guardian angel. What is it you want, Mary? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. All right. We're going to pull down the moon for you on the Kale Clark Show. And that, of course, is a clip from It's a Wonderful Life. I asked you before the break, what is your favorite Christmas movie? 888-914-9149. It's a toll-free line to call in. You can tell me what's your favorite Christmas movie and why. I have a funny feeling that producer Jim played that clip because that is. Am I right in, th- in guessing that that is your favorite Christmas movie, Jim? It's not only my favorite Christmas movie, but it is my favorite movie overall of all time. Really? Already watched wow. it twice and probably will watch it another <laughs> two or three times before the Christmas season is over. Now, what, what moves you the most about that movie? It's just the beauty of what surrounds him when he's uh, in his darkest hour. No man is a failure who has friends. And he mm. has the whole town who he's given his whole life for. Uh, his blood, sweat, and tears running the Bailey building alone. And it's just a beautiful story of kind of like the how we have in the Catholic faith, the body of Christ surrounding us. We are all in this together. And, and that, I think, is a really powerful message in It's a Wonderful Life. Well, that, that that certainly is. And so, hey, if that's your favorite uh, Christmas film as well, we can take some more votes for that one, 888-914-9149. I want to know what your favorite Christmas movie is and why. And we're going to be exploring this issue is uh, about, really, is every movie, is every Christmas movie ultimately about Christ? I talked before the break about the seven basic stories that are out there in books or movies. There's only seven. And each one of them, has something to do with Jesus. Is it true for Christmas films also? Well, let's go to the phones right now. Paul is in Youngstown, Ohio. Hi, Paul. Uh, yes, I also vote for It's a Wonderful Life, although it is theologically inaccurate. It is. Um, Tell me how. The angel um, speaks about turning several hundred years old since his birth, which would mean he's a saint, not an angel, and he should be up for <laughs> canonization, not up for getting wings. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, hey. Well, thank you for the uh, the theological point there, Paul. And and uh, I, I think a lot of people would say that their favorite movie is it's, it's Wonderful Life when it comes to Christmas. Let's go to Jennifer in Chicago. What do you think, Jennifer? Um, I agree, but um, I think it's you know it's wholesome, it's entertaining, you uh, it's engaging. You're, there's not any like um, spaces where you're waiting for the plot to turn. But most importantly, I think a fact of it that's overlooked is that um, um, Potter never turns over the money that they that hmm. he that his uh, firm found. So you know, there's that really, really underbelly of evil there, and yeah. he could have, you know, he really could have helped George out 
And yet, George, like the movie, same, you know, as long as you have friends, you're going to make it. But I think that that is um, kind of constantly overlooked, you know, what a bad guy he was. He wasn't just bad. He just refused to. He was a criminal keeping the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, that's a good point, Jennifer. I really appreciate that. And so I, I know a lot of you will probably vote for this one for It's a Wonderful Life. But maybe there's another one that's uh, really sticking out in your mind that you really love. Here's another question. We 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 could have we could have a whole show about this, Jennifer. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie or not? That that's a that's that's a question that could be debated until the end of time. Some people say yes, some people say no. Does is that really a story about Christ? Well, we're going to talk about that too. But um, hey, we actually, Jim, do you have a clip from Die Hard? Do you actually have one? Okay, okay. Let me know when it, when it's ready. But um, that that's that's another sidebar question that we can ask and. In fact, just just even asking that question, is Die Hard a Christmas movie, that, that really does not only get the conversation going, but, but it forces us to ask the question, what really is a Christmas movie? What are the traits of a Christmas movie? Okay, here's a clip from Die Hard. It's this is John. Nice bear. He just wants to spend Christmas with the family. Is that- We'll see what Santa and Mommy can do. But when he gets stuck at the office party... Merry Christmas! It'll be a holiday... Merry Christmas! He'll never forget. (laughs) (laughs) And neither will we, of course, the Bruce Willis action classic, Die Hard. Well, of course, uh, for any film to be truly a Christmas film, there has to be some kind of magic in the air. What about... What about Elf? With Will Ferrell. That's a comedy flick. A child raised among elves making his way to New York City. We have a clip for that, Jim. It's just nice to meet another human who shares my affinity for elf culture. <laughs> I like it. I like it. What about... And here, now, here's one. I, uh, to, my, to my everlasting shame, I have not seen this one yet. But I, I know this is another one that's really popular in producer Jim's family. The Polar Express. The Polar Express, an otherworldly train, arrives to take a skeptical child to the North Pole. Got a clip? Come on, show us the bell. Yeah, let's see the bell. It's gone. Where is it? I lost it. I lost the bell from Santa's sleigh. Yeah, we'll help you. All of us. Yeah, let's hurry out and find it right now. Yeah. Producer Jim, is it true that Tom Hanks is is the conductor of the train? Yes, okay. it's true. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. That's it's a fantastic. You got to watch the movie with. I should see year. it. I, I really so should see it. I've never seen it, so Michaela would probably like it. Well, I think a lot of you uh, like and would vote for as your favorite Christmas movie. One about a miserly bachelor who's visited by three Christmas spirits. Let's go to David in Aurora, Illinois. Hi, David. Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. <laughs> I fit um, Scrooge now. I like all the Christmas Carol versions mostly, but I particularly like the 1951 version with Alistair Sims because they keep so much of the original English in it. That's one. For mm-hmm. example, the word clerk originally was Clark. That's right. <laughs> and he would get you a clerk at 15 shillings. But the particular <laughs> thing I like about it from a religious point of view is I see that it proves the existence of purgatory. 
Huh. Because, let's think about it. Marley's suffering. Now, if Marley was in mm. hell, he wouldn't do anything to help Scrooge. But there is that line in there. A, a chance and procuring of mine. I want to get you this chance, Ebenezer. Hmm. So my feeling is, it's in, a, it's, it's in a way, it's a theological proof of purgatory. Because he's suffering, but he still, as we know the souls in purgatory can do, can help. And, and it does say that they're helpless on earth. But certainly if yesterday, but he was in hell, he wouldn't want to help Scrooge. Only if he was in purgatory would he want to do something to help Scrooge. That's an interesting take. That, that's a really interesting take. I like that, Dave. And yeah, you're, you pointed out, yeah, the word, the last name Clark, which is my last name. Uh, apparently, it, it used to mean cleric. Now, I'm not a cleric. I'm not. I'm not a priest, bishop, or deacon. Uh, and and but that's 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 where that name comes from. But but yeah, I, I appreciate the fact that that you mentioned that that 1951 uh, classic version of a Christmas Carol with Alistair Sims. Yeah, it does kind of retain some of the. The old English of Charles Dickens and uh, and the the yeah it's all that kind of vibe and don't forget the Merry Beggars have a Christmas Carol going as well and you can access all the episodes on Relevant Radio through the app they did such a great job with that as they always do Peter Atkinson and the Merry Beggars the Entertainment Division of Relevant Radio let's go to Alexia in Salt Lake City Utah hi Alexia hi Alexia are you, are you there yeah hi. Hey, how are you? I'm fine. I, he just beat me to Alistair <laughs> Sims. Yeah, yeah, that's one of your. That's your favorite it, as well, huh? Well, no, it's a wonderful life, but this one is about redemption, the Scrooge, mm-hmm. and then you want to, you do want to go to confession. But I like <laughs> the bishop's wife, third oh, actually, yeah. the bishop's wife, Cary Grant. Mm-hmm. And Loretta Young, and it just uplifts my spirit about the minister and how he comes down as an angel and all that, you know, Cary Grant. And, and then he wants to become a human because he lo- falls in love with the wife. <laughs> but then she goes, no, 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 no. I'm married to you know, the, the minister here, David Niven, you know. Anyways. Yeah. And, yeah. That, and that elf, that elf, I watched that with a friend two years ago. See, I'm almost 70, so I'm into the older versions of stuff. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And Toy Story was fun too, which yeah, was it, quite a while back with Tom Hanks. Yeah, Tom Hanks is showing up again and again and again, isn't he? He's in a lot of a lot of movies, a lot of Christmas uh, theme movies as well. Hey, thanks so much for that call, Alexia. Really appreciate that. Let's go to Karen in Orland Park, Illinois. Hi, Karen. Kale, it's a wonderful life is my favorite, and uh, I think it just shows how important life is and how mm. one life can touch everybody. So. I just think it's a great, great movie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's going to get a lot of votes tonight for sure. Really appreciate that call, Karen and Orland Park. Thanks for listening. And you can call in too. What's your favorite Christmas film and why? 888 And when we think about this so-called magical element uh, in a lot of these films, it's not there just for fun. And this article that was written uh, by Peter Dre and Matt Lillicrap, uh, who wrote the uh, the book Reality and Other Stories, uh, they they talk about that. Yeah, it, it's true that a lot a lot of these Christmas films do have this this sort of magical element, but it's not it's not simply there just for fun. It leads to transformation, and that that is a, a major ingredient in almost every one of the Christmas films that you can name. Even a comedy like Elf with Will Ferrell, Buddy the Elf 
eventually is reconciled with his dad and he starts a family of his own. So there you go, transformation. Uh, in the Polar Express, there's a character named Billy. He's, he's skeptical and his skepticism is banished in that film. And of course, we have to think about Scrooge. A lot of you guys have mentioned, of course, A Christmas Carol. Christmas simply wouldn't be Christmas without having a fresh start for Ebenezer Scrooge. And so earlier today, we talked about some of the, um, the seven basic stories that are out there and how they relate to Christ. And, and these two guys say, uh, Peter Dre and, and Matt Lillicrap, they actually say that when it comes down to Christmas films, it's amazing that, that the Christmas films don't really take advantage of all seven of those stories for the most part. They tend to focus on really just two of those seven story types. Uh, mostly it's either a voyage and return plot line or the theme of rebirth. That, that seems to be in the vast majority of, of the Christmas films. So, for example, the voyage and return plot line, the protagonist is forced away uh, from his or her normal environment, eventually comes back, but sees everything with fresh eyes. A lot of you guys have been talking about George Bailey and It's a Wonderful Life. He goes back to Bedford Falls. He's been shown by a guardian angel what his town would have looked like without his good deeds. So, you know, if they were all sins of omission, if he hadn't done all these things, what would have happened? And that's that's an incredible lesson for for all of us. And what about rebirth? That's kind of the other themed and that's so prevalent in Christmas films. Obviously, the most famous example is Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol with Scrooge, but it's also the same plot line that you find in the Grinch films, whether it's the cartoon version or the celluloid version with Jim Carrey, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. That's the, that's the theme, rebirth. He's a tragic character. He experiences a dramatic change, and life is never the same for him or for anybody around him. And so it's also in the Santa Claus with Tim Allen. So uh, this is all over, the, all over the place. And so the, the, the question really is why, why that is. We'll, we'll get to that in just a second, but I want to take some more of your phone calls here. Let's go to Lulu in San Diego. Hi, Lulu. Hi. Um, there's a new one, uh, that came out, I guess they have number two out again, um, this year, but, um, it's called the Christmas Chronicles with, um, Kurt Russell. Oh, really? Okay. I haven't seen that. And it's really uh, funny. It's good. A lot of adventure. The kids, um, get into Santa's sleigh and they take off and it crashes and a whole lot of things, but, um, I see it as redemptive. Um, mm-hmm. The brother has lost faith because his dad passed away and, you know, he was very, very angry at him that he was a firefighter and was there to save another family, but his family lost him. And so there's a lot woven through the movie. And the little girl keeps her belief in Santa the whole time, but the young man, uh, he's probably around 14, has lost mm-hmm. his belief in Santa. And mm-hmm. the family believed in Santa. And Kurt Russell is Santa. And it's so funny. I mean, the whole whole thing, the way it is. But the main thing is, you know, um, holding on to faith and the good that comes at Christmas, and when there is not any good, they they lose certain things that causes Christmas to possibly not be around, and the crime begins to hmm. get higher, and attitudes go down, and 
you know, if good isn't there, then, you know, bad begins to take over. And it's just mm-hmm. kind of interesting the way they, they bring that out. And uh, my nine-year-old grandkids love it. <laughs> oh, nice. And at the end, there's a surprise ending. Um, somebody comes in as Santa's wife, and it's funny. It's, a, it's, okay. it's, um, it's new. <laughs> uh, yeah, and well, uh, they're singing in it. Kurt Russell sings a Elvis type song in it. <laughs> oh, really? Good. Okay, interesting. Okay, so the Christmas Chronicles. Okay, that's one I'll have to check out. Thanks for mentioning that, Lulu. That's 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 one that hasn't been brought up yet. Christmas Chronicles with Kurt Russell. How about that? And by the way, Sarah Tafoya, Relevant Radio's own Sarah Tafoya. I, she listens to this show a lot. She's part of our Morning Air team, of course, uh, on Relevant Radio. She just messaged us. It says that her favorite Christmas film is the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer claymation movie. That is a classic. That is an absolute classic. And yeah, those count too. Those count too. So uh, thank you for that, Sarah. Really appreciate that. What's your favorite Christmas movie and why? What do these stories really have to do with Jesus? Well, more than you think. 888-914-9149. If you're on the line, Joe, Ann, Patty, hang on. Everybody else is on the line. I will get to you right after the break. 888-914-9149. It's Kale Clark Show, only on Relevant Radio. Be right back. Explaining the Catholic faith and how you can live it and share it too. It's Kale Clark on Relevant Radio. Hey, welcome back to the program. I asked you guys to call in and tell me what was your favorite Christmas movie and why. We're going to talk about how Jesus might be able to be found in just about every Christmas film that you can imagine. 888 is the number to call. Let's go to the phones right now. Joe is in Morgan Hill, California. Hi, Joe. Hey, hi, Kale. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, you got I, it. Uh, I kind of got sucked. I got sucked into this because it's such a it's such a touching uh, subject, really. I mean, I did see uh, the traditional, uh, you know, wonderful life and mm-hmm. uh, Bishop's wife last night. And I had to fight back to tears. But one, one movie in particular, it's a relatively new one that I've seen, and I'm I'm gonna see it again. Uh, it's called uh, the Man Who Invented Christmas. The Man and Who Invented Christmas. About, yes, yes, yes. It's a story about Charles Dickens and the struggles he went through to write the book, The Christmas Carol. Huh. Now, yeah, he went through a tremendous story, fought demons. It's more, it's, it's, it's almost a quest movie. He fought the demons in his own mind, uh, you know, uh, coming up with the characters and, and how they were embellished. It's a bit mm. of a comedy, but really it has a, a social commentary. It, it, at that time, uh, you know, England being more or less of a caste society, mm-hmm. uh, the poor people were in great distress. But this book, when it came out, was a best immediate bestseller, and the commentary in the movie says that uh, donations to the poor shot up like a rocket. Wow. So, uh, yeah. So, I, it's a relatively new movie. It's, it's, a, it's a delightful movie uh, with all the characters that are in A Christmas Carol. And, Interesting. Uh, I really recommend it to a, a lot of people. If you, can, if you get a chance to watch it, I really recommend it. So the man who invented Christmas. So th- this came out in what year? I don't know if you have this uh, info, but I, I I don't. It's a That's relatively. Okay. It's about three years old. It's about, it's three, about years three years old. old. I okay. Make a point of watching it with my grandkids and my wife every year uh, for the last okay. three or four years, and uh, it's just a delightful movie. The actors, all of them, are do a fantastic job. But the thing, it's the heartwarming thing about it, and it's very touching, is that 
the donations to the poor who were struggling at that time when he wrote mm. that book, he, he, he made a point uh, of the book uh, because he was outraged by the poverty in mm. the, the poor sections of England. And he made a point in that book to, uh, to make a statement about it, and people responded in, in huge numbers to the poor that were in uh, the area. Yeah, wow. It really made a concrete difference. The pen is mightier. The pen is mightier, Joe. And yeah. hey, <laughs> so so is the phone. And I appreciate you calling in and, and saying that. The man who invented Christmas. Okay, we'll have to we'll have to look that one up. And I, I appreciate you mentioning that because that's one I haven't seen and, and definitely one that should be on the bucket list for sure. So Joe in California, thank you very much for listening and for, for that call. Really, really good call. Really good call. Let's go now to Patty in Chicago. Hey Patty. Hi there. Thank you, Kale, for taking my call. My movie that I thought would be a good Christmas movie for people to watch is The Green Mile. Mm. And I think it's a good movie because it starts out with two people that really don't like each other. The bouncer guy that's protecting the African-American um, renowned pianist and how he takes the journey with him. And they actually become best of friends, and then they enjoy and embrace Christmas together. I thought it was a um, pretty heartwarming um, story, and I would recommend that to our listeners today. It, Patty, that, that is a great, great recommendation. Hey, there's Tom Hanks again. He, I, I told you, he's in a lot of these movies. The Green Mile obviously came out in 1999. Based on, a, you know who originally wrote The Green Mile? Stephen King. Stephen King, can you imagine that? It was a 1996 novel by Stephen King. I'm really good at looking up things on Wikipedia, by the way. You should know this. But uh, it obviously takes place during the Great Depression. Tom Hanks is a death row prison guard. Michael Clark Duncan uh, plays this enigmatic convict. And I, I, I will not shy away from telling you. I actually cried when I saw The Green Mile. It, it is a powerful, powerful film, and it really moved me. And sometimes when I see a movie like that, I almost don't want to watch it again because I, I just, I just, I, I know I'm going to just fall apart. So uh, The Green Mile. Love it, love it, love it. That's a great suggestion by Patty in Chicago. All right, let's go to Anne in Belleville, Ontario. Anne, I haven't heard from you in a while. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I just, actually, while we, you were speaking, I just thought of another one, too. Originally, my favorite Christmas movie, for sentimental reasons and for quality reasons, uh, is um, While You Were Sleeping. Bill Pullman, mm -hmm. Sandra Bullock. Yeah, because it, uh, it all happens at Christmas. She's all alone. And just, yeah, it's a comedy of errors, but it ends huh. up, uh, yeah, it ends up well. It ends up well. Bill Pullman gets the girl in this story. But... Uh, it's, uh, yeah, I, it mirrored a time in my life where I was alone. Um, my parents had both passed away, and my family was on the other side of town, far, and I was teaching in Scarborough in, in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so I, I felt really, really lonely. And um, when I met my now husband, my beloved Brad, um, I fell in love with his family, just the way she does. Hmm. Wow. And uh, sh yeah, yeah, sharing Christmas with them was, yeah, it was magical. 
Oh, that's great. So it really had a lot of resonance in your life. So while you were sleeping, now that's 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 not that's not one that I that I thought would come up. But that but thanks for for mentioning that. It's kind of different. It's kind of a, kind of a different pick. I appreciate that, Anne. And hey, a Merry Christmas to you guys. And thank you so much for calling in. It's good to hear from you. And that's the town where my parents uh, are from, where they met in Belleville, Ontario. So thanks, Anne, for calling in. So th- this idea of of the stories that we tell, whether they're movies, books, even Christmas stories, they they do kind of all point towards the ultimate story of God and his love for us in Jesus. And in this article that I read, the authors really do point this out. It's really interesting. And they say that, you know, really every story does point towards Jesus. It might be a faintly, you know, it might be a faint sound or it might be in full stereo, you know, Dolby sound, surround sound like we have at the movies. And so how can we kind of kind of spot this? Well, the bottom line is God created the world. He created the universe. So that means that it has meaning baked into it. And that and that's why these these plot lines, there's only seven different plot lines that that ever come up because this is kind of baked into the world. And I remember Cardinal Ratzinger, who of course became Pope Benedict the 16th, he he wrote about this. He he basically said like the fact that the universe is intelligible and scientists try to find out, you know, data, they're, they're trying to study this means that the, we can know about it. It's knowable. It's knowable. It has intelligibility. And it's not just on, on, the, on the physical science level, but also uh, we can discover the meaning in the universe in terms of uh, the moral meaning of life, uh, the supernatural meaning of life, of course, that God uh, reveals to us. Uh, and that's the only way we can really figure that out, ultimately, is that we can know that, that God exists, but he must reveal more about what he is like, his love for us, and that ultimately happens in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's why his birth at Christmas is so important for us to to contemplate. And we're kind of like archaeologists, you know, as the authors say, digging up a meaning that's already there. It's kind of hidden in plain sight. And, and this isn't escapism. The reason why these stories kind of resonate with us so much it's not because we're trying to escape from reality. It's not, it's not because we're escaping from a, a future that could mean oblivion for us. We resonate with these stories because they strike a chord within us because God has planted desires in the human heart. Scripture says that he set eternity in the hearts of men and women. So he's called us to embrace the life with him. And so th- this is why this keeps coming back in every story, even the Christmas stories and Christmas movies. So th- so think about some of the ones that we've mentioned, whether it's Billy's journey on the Polar Express or whatever, what, what have you. These are adventures, but the real delight comes when the hero returns home. And this voyage theme, right? And everything that once seemed ordinary is now... It's, it's like going from watching a black and white movie to full fact color HD... And that's really what all of our Christmas movies do for us, the ones that we really love. Uh, what about Home Alone? This is another one. Does this have anything to do with our spiritual life? Do we have a Home Alone clip, Jim? I made my family disappear. <laughs> that, that's it. Okay, that's a clip. But, well, that, but that's exactly it, right? Kevin wants his family to disappear, Macaulay Culkin, right? He wants his family to disappear. And, of course, this comic turn of events actually sees him living in a Christmas world without them. And, and at first it's kind of fun, but then this dream obviously becomes a nightmare. There's a lot of slapstick comedy, but the real emotional power comes when 
Kevin realizes what he's taken for granted for so long, his family. And so they, when they eventually get reunited, he, he's just, he just appreciates them so much, even his big brother, Buzz. Can you imagine? So th this is exactly what the best of Christmas movies do for us. The tendency to take things, take people for granted. And Scrooge is a super, super example of this. So we, we very rarely think about this, but... A Christmas Carol, the reason why it's so popular every year and why we decided to do this with the Merry Beggars on Relevant Radio is because it poses so many great questions. You know, what, what power could break through a selfish heart, reconcile families, help adults recover childlike wonder? It's, this is what Christmas is really all about. And, and, the, and the great thing is, it's a true story. It's a true story. And, and that's, that's really um, uh, what's, what's so powerful about it. And, and, like we we talked about with a caller earlier, Dickens. Here's an, here's another thing about not about Charles Dickens when he when he wrote a Christmas Carol, he was actually really disillusioned by Christianity. I don't know if you know this, but he was super disillusioned by Christianity in his 1930s. He kind of rejected it, and he actually never mentions Christ specifically in a Christmas Carol. So that's that's really kind of kind of a sidebar fact there. But 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 he he did know that. Christmas does make people reflect on how they've been living during the past year, and obviously through through uh, the change of heart that Scrooge has in the story, the implication is that we can all be transformed. And I didn't know that the, the, when the story appeared, how it actually resulted in concrete outpouring of material help for the poor. I love that. I absolutely love that. And that's that's the rebirth theme, right? The rebirth theme and the voyage home theme are really the two the two big Christmas themes and and that's that's what we really have to uh, contemplate and how that points us to Christ and all of these desires are kind of realized in him he can bring us home at the end of the day let's go to John in Oswego Illinois hi John yes hi Kale thanks for taking my call I, I'd like to uh, also reaffirm the uh, Christmas Carol with Alistair Sim in 1951 mm -hmm. also the Christmas Carol with Reginald Owen in 1938 and A Miracle on 34th Street. I don't know the exact year it was black and white in mm -hmm. the 1940s, but I thought that was excellent, too. It really was. And, and Jim, do you have a clip from that one? I think you might actually have something on that. Miracle on 34th Street. Your Honor, every one of these letters is addressed to Santa Claus. The post office has delivered them. Therefore, the post office department, a branch of the federal government, recognizes this man, Chris Kringle, to be the one and only Santa Claus. Uh, since the United States government declares this man to be Santa Claus, this court will not dispute it. Case dismissed. There you go. Miracle on 34th Street, another classic. I appreciate that one. Thanks so much. Uh, John, for mentioning that in Oswego, Illinois. Let's go now to Bradenton, Florida. Michael is on the line. Hi, Michael. Hi, Kale. Uh, first time calling in. Long time listener, about two years now. Oh, thank you. Thanks for calling in. Um, regarding the movie Die Hard, I don't know if you guys covered this particular aspect of it. The, the sacrifice, the self-sacrifice of a father for his child. Mm. Um, I don't know if you've Besides the whole um, full body injuries all over the place that he shouldn't should not logically have been able to survive, <laughs> you know, 
the hands, the feet, the sides, the head, the, the you know, everything. And the same, all the blood everywhere, you know, should not have survived all the beatings mm. and, uh, and the child sacrifice for his child. So, yeah. Hey, Michael, I, lo- I love that. First time, long time. Hey, I love it when people call in who've been listening for a while. And hey, don't be shy. You can always call in. And we're, we're out of time for today. But th- thanks for mentioning that, Michael. Hey, not only is Die Hard really a Christmas movie, it's a movie about self-sacrifice. And that's what really love is all about, right? It's, it's about being a gift of self, just as Christ was for us, not only in the Christmas crush, but also on the cross, the wood of the cross. So thanks for joining me on The Kale Clark Show today. It was so much fun. I'll be back tomorrow, 1230 Central on The Faith Explained. Once again, tomorrow afternoon, 5 Central right here on The Kale Clark Show. Jim Shaper produced. Patrick Alog took your phone calls. Stay tuned for Timory and the Family Rosary Across America. Take it away, Michaela. Thank you for listening to my daddy.